And we're going we're gonna to worship some more, a lot more, after we preach. And so as the kids are heading out of the room right now for kid worship, I just have pondered this question throughout the week. Really, it's not a question, it's a statement. It's where we landed last week, and if we're, if we're going to speak out of John the 8th chapter, and if you have your Bible, or you have your iPad, or you have your phone, whatever you choose to read with, in the 8th chapter of the book of John is where we're going to land for a few minutes today. And um, I don't know about you personally, but I am um, very moved by the students leading us, and um, they're not done. We're doing a very atypical order, which is a, maybe there should be no order of our service. It should just be we're here to worship. We're going to come back after we think about Jesus in the 8th chapter of John and just sing for a while of his goodness and of his grace. But there's a quite a statement I made last week um, about a man, as he observed him, he turned Jesus into someone that I needed to know. And if we're going to fulfill the scripture that we just read, I read quite a few scriptures beginning in Genesis and including in Acts, when the Lord has appointed us as a light to the Gentiles, I believe that God would say of us, I want you to do this in your life. I long for you to be a people who turns Jesus into someone that I need to know. Because for every one of us that walks this earth and everyone that we encounter, do we not long for them to know Christ? To know Him and the power of His resurrections, the fellowship of His sufferings, the glory of walking in tandem with Him. That is our prayer and our hope is that others would come to know the person of Jesus Christ. To know Him for who He is. To know that, that His actions declare His identity. That, that who He is when He makes radical statements like we're going to read and study over the next six or seven weeks. When He says, I am the I am. We are drawing them and wooing them and pointing them to this Jesus that is majesty to us. That is splendor to us and that is, is overwhelming to us. One who who said, I have acted in this earth and I am continuing to act in the people's lives around you so that, if, as we studied last week, you may believe that your life could be an expression of who I am. And so, welcome to worship this morning and welcome to this prayer. God, we pray that we would make you, that we would make Christ into someone that they must know. That would be the, the outworking of our worship today, that we will walk out into this city and people will know and be, have said of us, as, as said in the early church, they have clearly been with Christ. They've walked with Him and there's, an, there's something extraordinary about them and I, I, I really want to know who it is that you're walking with. That's, that's my prayer. And then the outworking of that would be belief that is just happening across the city, across this church, across our households. We see and believe Jesus for who he is. Jesus said some radical things about himself when he came out. And then the book of John most exposes his statements about him when he said, I am. And this week we're going to take a look at this idea that he said, I'm the light of the world. I am the hope for mankind. That's who I am. He was clearly evidencing himself. He was clearly aligning himself with this Yahweh God of the Old Testament. I am God with flesh. He is 
He is looking back at Moses' encounter in Exodus and saying, I want you to know I'm here. I'm real. As, as Pharaoh held God's people in the book of Exodus in captivity, and he was calling Moses to step into that, the firepower for the freedom of God was found in a place of light, a place of hope, and a burning fire. And the Lord said, look, I know that there are people that need liberty and freedom, and I am calling you there. And Moses, out of that call and out of saying, God, I'm willing and I'm able and I want people to encounter Christ. I want people to meet you as a living God. Out of that, God, tell me who you are. And that's where God spoke those words. I am. That's that's sufficient. I am. And I, I... I was reveling in this thought that out of that, Moses saw powerful and beautiful and meaningful and extraordinary things happen as he walked the earth. I mean, he saw those who were in captivity free, which is the, the prophecy for what we will experience. Those who were in the midst of torture and turmoil freed. He saw just the power of God move. He experienced plagues. He experienced split seas. He experienced God. He experienced... The miracles of God, but I believe what he would come back and say is, none of these were greater than God himself. He would come back and say, I know. In fact, as we, if you were in groups this morning, we studied a bit of Moses and the law, and I believe he would come and sit in the midst of it and say, I have seen the power of God. I have seen the light of the world. I have experienced the hope of the living God. And while the evidences of Him are powerful and they are drawing and they are glorious, can I just tell you, there there is nothing greater than the person of the I Am. And that would be my prayer for us as we get to know Jesus on a more deep and intimate level that we would understand that there is nothing greater than loving Christ. If you were in group for the last hour, there is nothing greater than an unswerving, unwavering, impassioned heart cry and love relationship with the living God. And if we did nothing less than that for this morning, to just sit in here for a bit and say, Jesus, we long to love you in a bit more of a manner than we did walking in. We will have had an encounter with Christ. We want to know more of you. We want to know that, yes, your miracles are our desire. Yes, freedom from captivity, freedom and hope, and freedom in the midst. That is the longing of our soul. But holy God, we long to know this. Who you are will far exceed any miracle or any action. We want to know the person of Jesus Christ. We want to know the fullness of who he is. And when God made that proclamation to Moses saying, I am, he was saying, I am present tense. I am self-sustaining. I am. I don't ever have an up or a down moment. I don't have mood swings. I don't have moments when I need to refuel. I never grow weary. I never grow tired. I am. I am the living God I, I don't, I didn't have a bad day and make you that day. I'm having the I am days every single day because I am, I am present tense. I am self-sustaining. I am never to be more. I am. And so Jesus, when he declares that he is the I am, you, you must write this down. He was either 
declaring an extraordinary statement of blasphemy or he was declaring salvation coming to us. He, it was not a weak statement when we read these statements of Christ. He is stepping in and he is saying, these are not accidental descriptives and these are not moments of delusion. I am the light of the world. I am the king of glory. They are clear, they are strategic, and they are deeply impassioned statements to say, God has drawn near, I am. It's my prayer as we walk through this Easter season that we savor Christ, that we grow in Him, and that the grace and knowledge of Jesus just draws us into the wonder of the living God. So before we step further, there's something beautiful that cannot be conjured by a pastor or even by your wisdom or our interaction, but there is a Holy Spirit that we want to welcome here and to invite to teach us and to grow us in our relationship with the I Am. So can we pray together and then can we delve even more deeply into Scripture? Father, we love you. I thank you that we could sing those words this morning, but more importantly, You love us. And our response of love to you, and our response of love for you, is a response to the great and glorious love that you have for us. And so Jesus, in the next few moments as we study, as we consider, as we ponder, and as we think of your word, draw us to yourself. Holy Spirit, we don't have the capacity to be wooed to you apart from you. And so I would pray this, Spirit of God, that you would draw us to the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and deepen us and root and establish us in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ. It's for the hope of Christ that we pray, that we worship, that we consider, and we ponder. Amen. In the eighth chapter of the book of John, there's just a profound statement that Jesus makes of himself in verse 12. He says, it says these words, then Jesus spoke to them again. And he said, I'm the light of the world. Anyone who follows me, listen, anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life living through them. I am the light of the world. The, the power of this and what we, what I would love to just Think about with you for the next few minutes. The power of this is the circumstances that surround this statement and what God is saying. And I think, you know, I I don't know if you have to have three things. I have a couple of thoughts and we'll see if all of them come out today. But I love this. The light of the I am is bringing hope and hope, according to Romans 5, an absolute favorite verse of mine in the midst of all the tragedies and challenges that every one of us brought into this room. And in the midst of the questions and the heart hurt and the great winds and the great joy that each one of us brought into this room, here's what the scripture says of Christ. And hope in Christ will not disappoint. The light of the world steps in and speaks hope to us. And if you could center your life in that reality, hope in God through Christ as the light of the world will not disappoint. There will be great moments of 
lack of surety. There will be great moments of unclearness in this world. But I promise as you walk through the trials and character is birthed in your soul, as you walk through sufferings and the presence and person of Christ is working himself out in the midst of your salvation, there will be a point when you are able to to say to the Lord, I didn't fully understand that, but I understood the hope that I have in you. And it never disappointed me. So just in the I am, light of the I am brings hope. The light of the I am changes who I am. This is a really strong statement, so I just would encourage you to jot that one down and ponder that over the next weeks. The light and reality of the I am changes every, every flavor of who I am. It's rocking my life, and the light of the I am will redeem us and restore us. Light defeats darkness every time. It's just a beautiful and simple truth. In the darkest of nights, there is no chance of darkness prevailing when light comes. I would say as we're walking through life in the midst of confusion and the unknown, that we are simply sitting and saying, God, I long for you to meet me where I am, for I know there is a newness of day coming in the morning. I love Gunger's song, Beautiful Things. It's a powerful song for me, and I, I, I sing it in my heart often. One of the lyrics is this, God, you make beautiful things out of dust. And, and if you're able to do that, you're also working to make beautiful things out of us. And as I read this eighth chapter, I'm recognizing that when Jesus says that he is the light of the world, he has said that immediately following a moment of, of just utter confusion, a moment when a woman has been dragged in the middle of the streets, she is in the midst of sin, her life is prevailing in darkness, and Jesus enters a dialogue with her in the heart of the dust, in the midst of the brokenness. He steps in and says, I'm the light of the world. There is a new day dawning in your life. There is hope that has come. It is me. It is forgiveness. It is power. It is glory. It is beauty. I'm here. And I am the light of the world. I appreciate the reality of Christ in meeting us where we are. Because let's face it, many of us have been face down in the dirt and the dust. Maybe not just as this woman, but we have been face down in the dirt with people throwing accusations at us, with people holding rocks. And let's face it a bit further. For most of us, scrap that. For every one of us, we have been guilty of what we were in the dust. We have sat in full judgment, recognizing I have nothing apart from Christ. That's the setting of this powerful statement and this moment. I enjoyed working in prison ministry for quite a few years, and I actually deeply miss prison ministry. I had an incredible conversation. Two of our Bible study groups were able to go to the children's home and, and last night and just celebrate with them the beauty and wonder of Christ and the joy of, of caring for the fatherless and the motherless, maybe temporary or permanently. And a dialogue I ended up in was about prison and prison ministry. And I just ended up swimming in the joy of, of God's grace in the midst of that. And I, I had written down some thoughts for this message already. And I just wanted to share some thoughts as I considered John 8. Um, as I would sit in the room and listen to a group of men, after we had been singing for a while and worshiping for a while, we would have Bible study, but it really wasn't like this. It was more of a conversation around one another. And as I sat with these men and they're sharing, they would, they would have ownership of their moments in the dust. They would have ownership of 
where they were. It was almost this liberation and freedom of the grace of Christ. The light of the world had stepped in and there would be confession among them as they began to share with one another, as they as they took ownership of the hurts that they had left in the world, of the struggles that they had left in the world, of the pain that they had left behind them, of the reality and the issues of where they were in a box for many of them having already been there for more than 30 years and they would never leave. Just simply saying, in the midst of this, there is a God and the light of the world has stepped in. I just so valued that. I felt I felt like I, I always went on Saturday night and then I would have to go to church on Sunday morning and I always felt like it was such a more beautiful picture of church inside the walls than it was in the midst of our freedom. There was just this power as they shared with one another, confessing weaknesses, bringing real issues to light, sitting at the foot of Jesus saying, you're the light of the world, and right now I am fully guilty, I am fully in the dust, I should be stoned to death, please help. And he meets us in that moment, taking these painful moments and making beautiful things of us. When they would speak, these men that I would sit with, when they would speak of the grace of Christ, and they would speak of the restoration in Christ, oh, there wasn't a wonder, or a, there was no glossed over of church words or things that ultimately made us proud. They spoke with a peace that surpassed understanding and a possession in Christ that was, that was a fulfillment of people who were broken but were made beautiful in Christ. I believe that's what God is longing for as the light of the world. To be able to say, as the light, I bring hope. I bring hope in the midst of the walls that you have built. I bring hope in the midst of walls that have been built around you. I am the light of the world regardless the circumstance and I long to bring hope and restoration. I'm just inviting you to be extraordinarily transparent with them. I, I want to be like that. I long to need God in the manner that the men I sat with needed God. I want to feel broken and I want to feel transparent. And I want to sit with you and say, this is who I am. And it is, it is desperately in need of light. I mean, it was, it was as if, it wasn't as if, and they were already exposed. See, a lot of us just have dressed it up and brought it into this room this morning, and yet we are the emperor's clothes right now. They're just sitting in a prison cell. There's nothing left. And I would just suggest to you, if we are putting on our best for Christ and yet not inviting Christ to be the sovereign king of our lives and to expose us for all of who we are so that he can redeem and restore and put us back together, then we are yet to fulfill and experience the I am of the world who is coming to us and saying, I love you. I'm not leaving you in the dust. I'm piecing you back together in the midst of a group of sinners who were broken and wounded and real and restorative and experiencing the majesty of Christ. Here's what happened among them. Christ became the hero, not their own story. And if that could happen for us, if Jesus could be the light of this room, not our story, not our works, 
As we talked about in our group this morning, not the three out of five boxes that we checked to finally be good with God. No, in the midst of our brokenness and faces in the dust, if we can allow the Spirit of God to put us back together, He is the hero of that story. And He is the light of the world. And He is the hope of our resurrection Lamentations is coming on the screen right now in the third chapter, verses 22 and 23. There is such good news. Because of the great love of our God, we are not consumed. Listen, listen. Because of the great love of our God, we are not consumed. His compassions, they never fell. Listen, listen, listen. In the midst of wherever you are right now, I am praying that many of us, if we're in the middle of the dirt or in the midst of the night, the compassions of God never fail. Here's what you have to know about them. They are new every morning. And then he just stood and cried out, Great is your faithfulness, God. So wherever you are, I'm praying for a new morning today. A reality that, God, we will never be consumed except we want to be consumed by you, for you, in you, through you, and also that you are glorified in us. So we're coming to you, Lord. We're coming with a great lament. It is the midst of the night and things appear dark. But oh God, what we've experienced with you, what we have known of you, and what we love about you is that there is a morning and you are the glory of it. You're the light of the world. You are the hope of salvation. You are who we worship. The Lord's mercies are new and they come to us again and again. And again, and I just have to tell you that light changes everything. It creates a people who are hungry and humble. In the eighth chapter of the book of John, again, just sticking with this idea that the I am of the light is hope, and hope does not disappoint. Just understanding continuously the context. First of all, he's in the midst of talking to a young lady whose face is in the dirt and who is guilty. And there's hope in that. But they're also in the midst of this in John 8. They're coming out of a a festival that is absolutely extraordinary and astonishing. So to understand when Jesus says in the 8th chapter of John, I'm the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. They are in the midst of the Feast of the Tabernacles. They're in the midst of this journey that they've been on and talking about this journey. They have been celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles, which is a feast that says, did God not walk with us for 40 years in the desert? Did God not revel with us? Can we not, and this this would be some great things to do, can we not just come back and remember the faithfulness of our God? Can we not share stories among generations? This is such a beautiful thing having generations lead us. Can we not, who are the older generations, just speak of the faithfulness of God so this whole whole stage full of kids in a few moments can hear, here is where God may take you, or here is who He will be in the midst of the journey. Chase Him. That's the Feast of the Tabernacles. They are coming and saying, oh, we celebrate the goodness of God. He has been new. This is no kidding for them. Like this isn't an idea of His, his you know, mercy is new every morning. It's no kidding, been new every morning. I mean, they've walked out every morning saying, we have 
food today because of our God. I mean, not like I went to the grocery store, he blessed us. I mean, literally, it fell from the sky today because of our God. Can you imagine sitting in the midst of that? Can you imagine being among a group of believing people who in this day and in this time are able to tell stories to say, if we had not risked, that's, that would be a great Greek derivative, derivative of the word believe God. If we had not believed God and moved into this realm, we wouldn't be able to tell you this story. If we had not moved in the midst of what God was doing, we wouldn't have this story. Our God came through at all times in all ways because He's the I Am. That's what we long for in the Feast of the Tabernacles among this church is to be able to look and say, we've put ourselves on the edge where it was not plausible for us but God. That was the Feast of the Tabernacles. That's where they were in John the 8th chapter. They're sitting and celebrating this, that God is with us. Exodus 30, 13, 21, and 22 says these words. Um, they're coming up on the screen, I think, or I hope, or maybe not. But Exodus 13 says these words about us, that God led them in a pillar of fire. I mean, he led them in a cloud by day. He is the light of the world, and he is and was the light of the world in that moment. He is just saying, look, when the, when the pillar raises and goes, you move. What I want you to do is walk in intimacy with me. And so they are in the middle of this celebration, and in the festival, they would light lamps, literally. Four lamps would be lit, and they would light them, and they would accompany them with comment, commentary and stories, Four, this is one, one of the commentators wrote, four huge lamps, and listen, this would fit very well here. I think this would go over at Mandarin one day in one of our worships. Men of piety and great works among the Israelites danced throughout the night, holding torches in their hands, reflecting that our God is the light of the world. As they were reveling throughout the night, they would tell stories. The Levitical orchestras, they turned it on high volume. They were celebrating in the Feast of the Tabernacles the goodness of God. Most have suggested that this celebration went on night after night after night, saying, our God has led us to this point. Let us not grow weary in believing He will lead us to the next. I just want you to hear that, that our God is a God of hope. And in the middle of this, he is stepping in and speaking hope to a present situation of a lady who desperately needs it and of a past faithfulness that has guided them to this moment. And he is saying, please don't sit at the Feast of Tabernacles and solely celebrate. It is here to celebrate and remember so that you are cast into a hope-filled future that will not disappoint. It is my prayer that that will be true of us. Remembering the protection and the presence of the living God. They danced through the night. They danced into the morning. And they said, God, you have led us to a land of promise. And as they celebrated, Jesus boldly said what we read in John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. That's the context. I am the hope of of salvation. To declare such a thing at the Feast of Tabernacles is a declaration of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, of the hope of Jesus Christ. 
And I love 2 Corinthians 1.20. I'm going to read it now. I'm not sure if things are popping up on the behind me or not. 2 Corinthians 1.20 reads this way. Such a powerful, when God steps up and says, for every one of God's promises is this, yes in Him. Therefore, the amen is also spoken through Him by us for God's glory. For it is God's strength who works in you. And His Spirit. And I would love for us to be a church. And I've, you know, I've, I often will write scripts at the bottom of things. Yes and amen from these verses because what we are saying is this. God, you are the light of the world. In the midst of the brokenness of this world, you piece us back together. You are the hope of the world. In the midst of what we are pursuing in this world or what we're struggling with, you have been faithful at all times. God, you are good. And then everyone around just starts going, yes! Are you kidding me? Yes! And then the rest respond, Amen! Praise you God! Yes, you are Lord! And the Levitical orchestra begins to sing again. Following Jesus changes all of who I am. And it invites and requires obedience. And I would maybe end with this thought, and then I just want us to sing some more of just the responses to the living God and what is going on with Him. Because as you look at this, the reality is, as you just say, God, you're the light of the world following Jesus. Jesus offers us guidance. He also calls us to respond to Him in love. And the Scripture says these words, if you love me, you're obedient. This was the major dialogue as we were talking about the law this morning. The law is always the favorite topic. And we're talking about the law this morning, and I love Augustine when he says, love God and do as you please. Or a better translation would be scripture. Love God and you will obey me. You will walk in the fullness of the law that I'm laying on your heart. I'm inviting you to love me. To find your greatest pleasure in me. As you look at maybe two different people who encountered this, one walked into the darkness, Judas, betrayer of Jesus. We're in the midst of the Easter season. The light of the I Am will change who we are. That's the passion of God's heart. I just think about Judas sitting with Jesus. Jesus is the one who had, he would washed his feet and prepared him in cleanliness to share the meal together. Jesus was the one who had broken the bread and provided him food so that his body was full. They had shared that supper together. And then scripture is powerful when it speaks of this moment, this John 8 moment, because it says this, as the night came, Judas slipped away. In John 13, 30, it says, as he was taking his bread, he went out, and there's a huge sentence that I think is so painful, and it was night. Well, I believe that it was literally, no kidding, night. I believe that what he was saying is, Judas is choosing to go his own way, and he is walking into the midst of the darkness, and it was night. And Judas went into the night and hung there. Many of us are sitting in this room right now and there are things in our lives that are antithetical to the light of the world. You must understand that God steps into this and says, repent for the kingdom of God is here. I am the light of the world 
And I have washed you more than your feet to prepare you for a meal. I have washed you in the truth of who I am. I have fed you with the sustenance of my word. I encourage you. I implore you. I beg of you. Do not walk into the night. And there are many of us in this room that our lives have significant dark characteristics, and I am praying that this morning is a morning of light. That we as a people, as a church across the way, will embrace the grace and the goodness of God and understand that while it may be dark for a season, and for many of us, we don't have any control over the darkness happening to us, but for some of us in this room, it is fully in you as an act of your will to walk in disobedience to God. And may the light of Christ come into this room and draw us to himself so that we no longer live in the night. We live in the midst of the light that exposes us, that compels us to be real. For he is the light of the world. Peter, on the other hand, Peter flipped the switch and said, God, I want you to work out your salvation within me. When Jesus has worked, you just see over and over throughout Scripture, the woman that we're alluding to, the woman at the well, Nicodemus, just over and over, Jesus revolutionizes souls. Every story unique, every story powerful. I look at Judas and Peter, and I see two men who are living in the midst of darkness. And I see two radically different responses with two deeply different outcomes. Judas, who said, I'm going to walk into the night even if it costs me my soul and my physical life. Peter, who is in the midst of the darkness of a moment, and Jesus comes to him and he sits. Don't you find this interesting? It's breakfast. It's the dawn of a new day. Jesus is sitting on the bank. He's cooking breakfast for him. It's a morning. It's an opportunity for a guy who is filled with passion. I just have to kind of step out and speak this over us as a church. I doubt that many of you are here out of anything less than, God, I want to pursue you. Most of us don't check out a Sunday morning for this hour other than we want to know you, God. That was Peter's heart, and yet he was off completely antithetical for what God wanted for him. He's fishing, fishing, inherently not a bad thing, fishing for Peter in that moment, a completely wrong place to be. And the Lord is sitting on the bank and he is is cooking for him and he woos or draws him in and he says, Peter, this is me and I love the encounter. I always, anyway, I love the encounter and I just always picture this moment when Peter realizes him. Don't you love moments like this when you're, you read about David being undignified? You know, like David danced and then he said, you think that's good? Just watch what's next. I love this moment with Peter because it says he sees him and then he questions it. He realizes it's truly Jesus and he sheds his clothing and he dives into the water because he cannot wait for them to paddle to shore. For me, that's a pretty undignified moment. Oh, God, I know I am not where I want to be. I want to be restored to you. And I just see Jesus in this encounter, washing him, washing his soul, entering into the conversation that you can read about in the 21st chapter of John. Peter, I want you to know that I love you, but I'm wondering if you love me. 
I'm wondering if we'll draw in to this light, this light that is hope for you, this light that is restorative for you, this light that is the breaking of a new dawn. I'm wondering, Peter, if you would come and sit with me and have a meal with me and share an intimacy with me, because here's what is going to happen, Peter. If you will walk in this obedience, you cannot imagine what's going to happen with you and with me walking as one. But if you're going to keep fishing... Stay in the night. Your life will be recorded as nothing in history. And so, Peter, I'm sitting here with bread, wondering what your response will be. You want some fish? In this story, Jesus protected a lady just as he's protecting Peter from the stones that would pummel her. As we close this service, I would love to just stand in the fray and protect us, but I would like to do better. I would like to point you toward Jesus, who has taken the stones of your punishment and has borne them with his body and his life. To protect Peter... And to protect the young lady in the 8th chapter of the book of John. He whispers the same things he whispers to us. Repent. You're not good. I don't care what your grandma and mama told you all your life. You're not. You were born into sin. And you were marred with it today. Repent. You're not okay. But here's where we're landing. Come back to me. Let's eat together. Let's walk together. This is the words of Jesus. You need me. Go and sin no more. This is an impossible call in the 8th chapter of the book of John. Apart from the righteousness of Christ that was imbued or imparted by the living God. He's the light of the world. Jesus called her to leave the darkness. That's my imploring for you today. If you are in the midst of darkness or disobedience, will you leave the darkness? And I think the question is better. It's the question that Jesus asked Peter to draw him out of the darkness. Peter, do you love me more than these? And in doing so, and in answering this, Jesus is calling us to walk in the light. And he then begins to make proclamations. In that, your sins are forgiven. In that, you are good. In that, follow me. In that, walk out of sin. In that, walk in the fullness of life. In that, walk in the light. Walk in hope. Walk in the middle of who I am. Because I am Jesus. And I am the light of the world. And so if you will, as our student band comes now, to just sing with us for a while. If you wouldn't mind, one of the greatest things that we could do would be to smell some fish frying. If you don't like fish, I don't know what you're... Well, I'm I'm sorry that you live in Florida and you don't like fish. But it would be awesome for you and I to worship in this moment for a while. We're going to sing a few songs and just to revel in who our God is and to, to sense that He is not just a distant deity that we're supposed to somehow care for, but He is a God who prepares meals for us so that our souls could be sustained. And He's just sitting, waiting on us and saying, 
Will you, let me ask you a question. Because there's darkness around right now. Do you love me more than this darkness? Because I'm the light of the world. Jesus, I love you. No, no, no. Do you love me? follow I love you Jesus no 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 I am looking for you to be a person who lives for my glory in this earth and to feed sheep and you have nothing to feed if you don't feast on me so I really want to know this do you love me Woman, face in the dirt, do you love me? For I am restoring you and drawing you to light. I just love the encounter with Peter. I love you, Jesus. So can you tell me what I'm going to do as opposed to what John's going to do? No, I don't care about any of them. I just want to know about you and about me what we are going to do because I'm the light of the world, Peter, and if you will walk in the paths of my commands, if you will walk in the heart of my word, you will find life. But Peter, I want to know this. Do you love me? Not does John, not does the woman that was about to be stoned to death, not your spouse, not your heritage, Peter, do you love me? If so, you'll feed my sheep. You'll go places you could never imagine. You'll make my name great in this world. And you'll spread your arms out and die for my cause. So Peter, do you love me? walk in the light together this altar is here songs will be playing an incredible time of worship is upon us let's walk in the light as he is in the light and we will have fellowship with him and with one another Jesus we love you we love you we love you Jesus